Welcome to the Leading Innovation Podcast. Let's learn how brilliant minds push the boundaries of innovation. Brought to you by V from 5 to 1. All right, what is up, everybody? We're back again for another incredible episode. And this time I've got a very interesting guest. Uh, his name is Vahe Arabian. Did I get that correct? Indeed. Hey, V, how's it going? <laughs> Good man. Um, Vahe is an incredibly smart person, probably one of the most recommended individuals that I have met when it comes to digital marketing and SEO. Now, for some of you who do know what SEO is, fantastic. For those who don't, SEO basically stands for search engine optimization. And that's basically how some people get to the top of the Google page. Um, Vahe is, is, is a big expert in this space. Um, he's worked for the biggest brands. He's done some of the most impactful work that you can imagine in this area. And now he runs a company called State of Digital Publishing, which is basically an online publication covering all sorts of media trends and technology. So he's a perfect person to learn a lot about where the state of digital media is at this day and age. Vahe, thanks for coming on board. How are you going, man? Good, good. I appreciate you inviting me. I love to have this chat. Mate, Awesome. Bye. So, so, so tell us, what exactly do you do at the state of digital publishing? Yeah, so you covered some of it. Um, it's it's a B two B media company, so half of it is the publication where we have contributors and we have articles and um, guides around how to do, develop better audiences um, through digital media and uncovering some of the technology trends around that as well. Um, so there's articles, guides, um, and we have a community as well, group of people in Slack and Facebook groups um, that discuss about those things as well. Um, and then um, there's a consulting site. Uh, there'll, there'll be soon be a subscription as well, which we can help roll that out a bit more and provide more in-depth and tactical advice. But we also have the consulting side where I help, uh, where we help publishers directly with the SEO and audience growth initiatives. Okay, fair enough. So where do you think, um, that's a question that everyone has at the top of their mind at this day and age, um, is it worth starting a blog in 2020? It's, it's still ever so important. To, a niche is the key. So right. starting an audience is and starting a blog, 100%. Because right. Because it's becoming ever, ever more fragmented and if you don't need to have massive traffic in order to have an audience and particularly in the B2B and startup space where um, it's, it's more about direct relationships um, and being able to answer specific tactical and sales related questions using your blog. That's what's going to help you get more new clients and, and potentially stamp your authority in the space that you're in. But do you think that a blog itself would act as a key source of action? But, or was it, yes. is, it, is it a way where, okay, so you've answered that, but would, would I go ahead and say, if I write a blog right now and obviously distribute it through various platforms like, you know, heaps of other areas because obviously when i create a blog i it's i can't expect it to quote unquote rank which means you know show up on google or index in a certain way on day dot right it, it takes an x amount of time obviously mm. so would a blog mainly be an attestation that means i've drive audiences to my website and then the blog sort of helps verify my cell is that is that what what do you think a blog stands for yeah, I mean, uh, the thing with uh, the other platforms are is they are rented spaces and the blog is your own own media which you can use to publish content and topics that you think will resonate with your audience. So, um, yeah, it's going to be important that you publish content and topics that are related to your audience and, and your prospects. And at the same time, you need to also promote that so you can use those platforms to uh, sure. distribute the content. But, sure. um at the end of the day, yes, it's, it's important just because it's going to help you with um, 
bringing people back to where you want them to come back to, which is going to be your main product or business. And right. and from the strategy perspective, it's it's a it's a very good tool to assist with that. Fair enough. And you're a big person on community. I mean, obviously, State of Digital Publishing is pretty much a community-driven product, correct? Yeah, uh, it's it is. It's it's about providing them. With, yeah, exactly. Sorry, you can cut that out. <laughs> so, um, how important and how do people get around creating a community in this day and age where everyone's trying to build a community? Because you know, someone says something about community, and everyone jumps on creating uh, an ecosystem. And at the start of the conversation, you mentioned you've got Facebook groups and all these other things that are going to sort of um, feed off. A, a network of individuals where they can learn from each other and so on and so forth. So how, how can someone who's just starting a startup or has created a startup go around creating a community around their product? Is there a certain path that they need to take that provides the highest chance of success? I'll take the, I'll take a two prong approach. So yeah, um, people say that outbound isn't is important, but um, you, I think still doing direct cold outreach and asking people for their opinions and, and then being able to, Gain those new connections, particularly if you don't have any uh, connections and people in the space is really important. But then use your website as a way to pull people in to get that feedback as well. So particularly as I've been growing the um, organic traffic for facility publishing, I, I have like chat, bots, chat boxes and areas where I ask people for feedback and that, uses, that, that helps me to then create more specific uh, content and, and parts to uh, lead people to actually join the community. So. Right. Fair enough. That makes perfect sense. That makes sense. And with your particular product as well, which, uh, you know, sort of additional publishing, um, what exactly did you use to build a product? I'm just curious because I'm going through your website and obviously it's quite, quite a heavy website with a lot of content. So if someone wants to start creating, um, something similar where they just want to start sharing their story, want to start sharing what they're doing and basically create like a hub of information. Would it just be something like WordPress? Does someone go ahead with looking at Webflow? What are the tools that you can recommend for people who are using it if we're non-technical? Um, yes, start off simply with WordPress. My site's built on WordPress and um, like 30% of the world's publishers are on WordPress as well. It works. Start, start with MVP. Then uh, as you grow and, and identify um, what your, your community needs, then you can build out the stack. So it, that's a lot of publishers have just built their own workflow and tools and they've started selling that out. So Fair I think enough. it's very custom these days and it's not really set to uh, one sort of set of products and subscriptions. Um, I do have some other tools that I want to use in the future, but um, once I get there, I'll do that. But um, yeah, pretty much that's the fundamental. Thing. Okay, that, that makes perfect sense. And where do you see, again, in, in the state of digital publishing with respect to what's happening in this day and age with trends, where do you see podcasts sitting in this entire area? Because um, that's a lot of things that people are doing, again, to build a community around their product and the community around their business, is they're using podcasts as an avenue for people to, you know, it's, it's the lowest investment, uh, you know, way of communicating because it's just audio. So where do you see that going? What are the trends? What are your thoughts on this space? Sure. Um, yeah, podcasts have seen a boom last year. So uh, I'm going to answer that in two areas. So from a B2B space, um, it's actually becoming a critical tool now for um, developing relationships and, and it's part of your lead gen efforts. And a lot of people are creating niche shows and they don't have much downloads, but it's a way that they use that to start a conversation and, and actually just show um, social proof. Right. So 
I think that's a really key thing is if you want to create new social proof podcasting and having conversations with people as a, as a way of demonstrating that value of what you're doing and, and what the state of play is. Um, and from B2B, um, I, I'm seeing a lot, particularly with publishers in terms of driving more revenue, the amalgamation of networks. So people, there's a lot of um, podcast networks that are being launched where they have multiple shows um, and it's that, it's just like Netflix, the Netflix model where the, the, you see a lot of options and then you binge more and more and then yeah. they use ads to, to be able to lay on that and monetize on that. So yeah. podcasting yeah. is maturing in that front as well from a consumer perspective. Right, um, so there's still space direction. to grow. Sorry. 100%. Yeah, that's 100%. And there's going to be, there's now even programmatic audio ads that's going to happen. So there's that full monetization is actually coming to a turn right now with podcasting. Right. Okay, interesting. Because I, I think I read a stat somewhere that said, you know, 700,000 podcasts and there's like millions of YouTube video, uh, YouTube um, channels that already run. So there's, you know, the perspective of actually building a network on, on a podcast environment actually is, is a lot higher. And how do you reckon distribution can work? Because obviously with all these other networks, you sort of quote unquote depend upon this magical algorithm, right? And you, you hope and expect that it'll, it'll blow up your you know, your outreach or whatever, if you gamify it. But with podcasts, since you've not got an algorithm to beat or fight, um, how, how does one, when they start a show, where, where do you see as a good way to distribute their, um, their, their, their product? Where, where, where can they just, is it just sharing on social media? Where, where do I go to be, um, uh, to, to get them an effective way of launching my show to a larger audience? Absolutely. So I forgot to mention this part of the trends, like, Companion podcasts are another thing that a lot of people are doing. So what they'll do is one of the things that I forgot to mention to you about the trends is about companion podcasts. And the biggest, best example of that is Joe Rogan. So what he does is he's obviously got his podcast and he's got his loyal audience, but then he primarily uses YouTube as a way to actually push the live. He has live shows and he actually uses that as a way to interact with people. So think about it as well from an engagement perspective, if you're going to distribute, how are you going to do that? Is it going to be through live events? Is it going to be a local play or is it uh, right. just going to be uh, more of a content distribution play where you're just going to provide related resources around that main podcast and um, use that as a way to then lead to the main podcast for download and consumption. Mm. That's how I'd look at how you um, increase your engagement and um, your distribution. Right. So again, it comes down to building a community around it because that's one thing I've seen a lot and something actually that I'll be doing soon enough as well, which is uh, creating a live audience and actually getting, you know, inviting about 50, 60 people or whatever is possible and essentially getting the guest to, to share their answers in front of an audience, use that as a recording and then spread that truth. Okay. So that's fair. Then that makes perfect sense uh, with respect to that. Do you think there's much uh, room for uh, competition or some room for improvement to, with respect to how people can work or quote unquote gamify Google's algorithm. I, do, is it worth focusing on just Google or should people put in any energy or effort into Yahoo and, you know, things like DuckDuckGo? So, so just, so just with podcasts, don't forget to do your podcast SEO. So Google is indexing the podcast. So definitely make sure that you get your podcast indexed so you can grow your audience that way. But from a general SEO perspective, any low-hanging fruit is beneficial. So I know in Australia, I think Google's market shares about 95% or 90% now. It's actually dropped a bit. Um, so Bing is, has grown a bit. Um, and you, you'll get more qualified people um, 
particularly from there, but it's not going to be as big. So whatever you can gather, I think you, you should just work on it. It's not going to take fair too enough. long to do. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty enough. universal SEO. That's fair. That, yeah, you're right on that side. I think it, it definitely won't be platform specific. Cool. That makes absolute sense. And what are the trends that you see going into 2020 uh, that have are changed in the past five years with respect to how people are approaching SEO? Absolutely. So the main thing is, um, particularly for the B2B space, and because I know your audience is startups and software yes. platforms, um, don't be afraid of doing just purely long tail SEO. So what that means is um, just be very specific in terms of the services that you have and don't focus on trying to grow your, grow your audience through traffic. Look at really um, doing sales-focused content marketing um, and use the uh, topic cluster approach where you're actually structuring your site to have your main topic as your hub page and then all your related topic and post, whether it might be through a series or it might be through um, other guides, um, bunch that together and group that together so that you can use multiple content touch points to convert your users. And that's what's going to really drive you, your high qualified traffic and users. So don't, don't, don't focus about, I know a lot of people, you'll see a lot of case studies out there about, oh, we've grown our traffic by X percent um, in 12 months. And mm. you, you want to replicate that. Just start small. Really big niche, key audience there. Um, in terms of other trends, um, I, there's the image search is going to be very important for this year. Um, Google's already made strides in integrating a lot of their platform, like they're making their search engine more of a platform as opposed to a answer engine now. So yep. you see a lot of integrated features like your flights or your um, information that's typically on your website showing on the search results and it's going to cause clickless search. Right. So with, with images particularly, um, particularly for e-commerce platforms, start incorporating schema and, and just do your image optimization because particularly for e-commerce sites, you're going to see your products actually in the organic search results and you need to, you need to better leverage the platform in order to get more people to, to make an action. So, um, and, and then they're, they're also looking at um, visual image identifications becoming big as part of that as well. So really focusing on image SEO is going to help on that. Interesting. Um, image SEO. What, what could you, could you expand on what Im image SEO is? Yeah, it, it's, it's simply um, just making sure that you're optimizing the image that you have based on what it's about. So the image file name, the image title, all text, which is like an alternative. If someone can't access that for some reason, they'll see the replacement text for that image. Um, and, and generally just uh, making them, um, compatible um, and responsive across um, the device that you have them on. Um, it's, it's trying to optimize it for that and, and really just making sure that when you, the content that you have um, on the website, that you have an image which supports what that is about. A lot of people use stock images as well, mm. which doesn't help with image rankings um, and search. So um, a lot of this together, if you build up your content, it, it make, it, images play, give it more weighting and, and makes it topically relevant and it can help trigger uh, feature with snippets and results as well from a b2b perspective so interesting okay that makes sense i think yes yeah, so back in a few years a few years ago what google did was actually just remove the hyperlinks to drive traffic referral traffic um from from your images but now they're bringing it back in particularly because image recognition is becoming a lot more mainstream and it's becoming more important so yeah fair gonna enough. Be, it's going to become more of a visual and mobile web fair um, enough 
And with last question, sorry, with respect to how paid digital or paid media goes in general, um, because everyone's jumping on that bandwagon. Is there any advice you can give to anyone in terms of how they can stand out or be a little different uh, in any way possible when they're trying to launch a product or a brand uh, and they're entering into the PPC or, you know, paid pay-per-click space? I'd say uh, I'll, I'll, I'll break that down into two parts. So if you're going to be looking at from a content strategy or for, or for your blog, be very tactical in um, trying to build, use that as a way to build your audience quickly. So if you have a blog post and you have a content upgrade, which is pretty much an, an assisting uh, asset, which is going to help um, like a white paper that you might attach to a blog post to help drive more inquiries, then use paid search as a way to promote that and push that a lot more quickly. Um, and that's how you'll stand out and just use um, messaging and um, your call to actions that you would think you think is going to best resonate to your audience. Um, from a, from a, from a sales service perspective and sales perspective, try to go as hyper local as you can because Google's particularly becoming more, um, even from an organic perspective, you can see now that, when you're, you're looking at your search results from your home versus your office, it's different and the type of businesses that peer up is very different. So be very hyper local in Interesting. your- Interesting, okay, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's actually very good, um, something learned today. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Vahe, I, I do not wanna take more of your time. I really respect you coming aboard and I appreciate it. Um, I ask this to all my guests, if you don't have an answer, you can say we don't have an answer. Um, the last question I always ask anyone is, what is the one quote that you are living by these days? Take action. That's, that's pretty simple. Like, I just want to okay, get up, make sure that I do something that's going to make an impact. So just take action. Nice. That's it. Action bias is so important in just anyone running a company business or doing anything nowadays, to be honest. So that is, that is good. Yeah, that is good for me as well. Absolutely. Um, thanks so much, mate. I really appreciate you coming on board. And if people were to find you, get in touch with you, to learn more about what you do or what you've just shared, where can we get in touch with you? Stateofdigitalpublishing.com. Oh, perfect. Easy. All right. And, and there's a little bubble at the bottom right corner, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, perfect. Well, that's it, Vahe. Thank you. And have a fantastic day. Thanks, dude. You too.